Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Talking Heads Footy Podcast with your host, me, Lil Al. Big Kev. I'm Caroline. Today we're going to be doing our own take on the Sunday supplement as Kev and I have been watching it for years and years and we thought, hey, what a chance to do it ourselves. So today we're going to be looking at a few different newspaper stories that have caught our eye. Uh, off we go. One of the stories that have been hitting the papers, uh, all of them actually, in fact, is the situation uh, with the restart of the, uh, the Premier League. Um, I've selected one from The Observer and it's really interesting because you've got the Dutch uh, FA president, Just Spee, who's basically saying that it's going to be nigh impossible for the Premier League to to start it back up again, which uh, I know personally speaking from a football fan, I'm a little bit torn about it. How do you feel about it, Kev? Um, yeah, I am um, you know, a little bit a little bit torn. Um, I'm not sure whether or not I, I care enough that it does return. I mean, there's so many other different things going on in the world right now that does it really matter if it doesn't return now and just starts back up in, you know, the end of August when everything's hopefully touch wood, um, you know, we're all out of the woods and everything can, that uh, can carry on. Um, but then you have the arguments and the permutations of what happens to the league. Cause I know in the, in the, in the Dutch division, they've wiped everything out completely. None of the, of the results and anything that's taken place this season matter. Nothing happens. They oh, literally have that. wiped it completely. They've wiped it completely so that they're pretending like this season did not happen at all. Um, and they're just starting back again. So um, anyone that was going to be relegated is now not going to be relegated. Any bonuses that have been paid out um, technically should go back. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, where, that's where they stand at the moment. And you know, the interesting thing about that is obviously leading in, in one of the, um, the, the articles in the Daily Stars, obviously, Rude Hullet's obviously picked up on this, obviously Dutch legend. And his take on it is obviously, well, this would be catastrophic to, to certain teams within the Premier League that don't have the same sort of revenue. Uh, again, touching on what you've mentioned there, he was saying that obviously in the Dutch league, uh, they don't get the same sort of TV money. So it's, it's, it's going to be mm. really, really interesting to see how we, how we basically unpick this problem. Yeah, I mean, in, they've got the, the same similar story in, in uh, The Mirror by uh, Simon Mullock. And what he's basically said is that all of the clubs, all of the actual um, clubs, including the billionaire clubs, are going to be affected by this massively because they've said that 1.3 billion is the amount that the Premier League clubs are going to have lost. And that's in TV revenue, sponsorship, cash and ticket money. And he's actually said that Dutch football can cope financially uh, because the television money is not as huge as it is in England. Um, but if they don't get their TV money, um, he can actually see um, Premier League clubs falling to pieces. And he actually said that about all clubs. So that's the likes of United, Liverpool, because they've got they've got finances um, placed in, you know, for certain things. So, you know, they have certain payments they need to make and they have certain things they need to pay for. And if they're not getting that revenue, if they've budgeted for 
you know, 1.3 billion over the, you know, over the entirety of the Premier League, then that's, that's going to be a huge hit for them. It's interesting that you, that you picked up on the, the revenue there as well, because there's a really interesting piece in The Observer by Paul Wilson, and he was basically saying how BT and Sky shouldn't be holding the Premier League to, uh, to ransom, basically. I mean, he, he's quoted here saying that BT and Sky have disclosed profits of uh, 2 billion and 1.2 billion uh, in the most recent results. So it's, 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 kind of, it's kind of interesting to see where, obviously, one of the, 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 the most lucrative sports in the world has a lot of money kind of like squirreled away. And, and why, at the moment, there seems to be this, this weird situation with where money's going to be coming in from, because clearly... The, the 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 broadcasters the people who have got the rights to these the, these games are not actually kind of like pulling up the trousers and saying hold up guys we've got this we can sort this out it does seem to be a bit of a mess really why can't yeah. they just hold back on next season and just put it a few months back <laughs> I don't get that why can't they just finish off this season why does it have to genuine question I think because uh, next summer they are looking to hold the European Championships, which they didn't hold this year. So if they start the next season later, it then means that the um, the actual European competition then might not be able to go ahead because then there will be genuinely no break next summer. And I think there's a lot of games that they still need to fit in. Um, you know, but so it has just, a real knock-on effect then? It will. It will have a massive knock-on effect because then you look at um, starting the season late, you then have a look at what happens to the transfer window. Um, and I think this needs to be, and I've, I've said it before, it needs to be a European-wide consensus. The, the, the top leagues in Europe need to come to a consensus and agree, not do it individually. Because if you have the Premier League that then continues, um, you know, then what happens with the, the, the Champions League standings for next season? What do they do? What happens with them? Because if also, you've got the German league that continues and the German league, they said possibly could continue in May. Yep. If they yep. continue and they finish, um, they're going to take this season standings for the Champions League. But if the Premier League is wiped out and like what the, the, um, the Dutch league is wiped out, they then go on last season and they go on an average of the last five seasons as to who then gets the most points to then go into the into the Champions League. So we could actually see, if the Premier League is wiped out, we could actually see Arsenal win the Champions League. It's fascinating. And also, I mean, mm. uh, the, the, the ramifications of obviously the decisions that happen. I mean, if you think about, I don't know, uh, what's going to happen to the EFL? Who's going to get promoted? Who's going to get relegated? If you mm. freeze everything, there'll be there'll be clubs that will be just outside of playoff positions, saying, "Hey, what? Why? Why are we being locked out of this one?" Mm. And then obviously the financial the financial benefits to going to the Premier League are absolutely humongous. Mm. So it's it will be very short sighted just to be looking at it in terms of what the Premier League going to do, what are the Champions League going to be doing? Because that's obviously that's the elite side the elite side of football, yeah. but actually. I mean, Kevin's, Kevin and I have spoken over the phone about it before. It's like the situation with non-league football, with teams even in League Two. I mean, to some degree, even teams like like Sunderland will be really worried about this situation because obviously mm. they're being one of the largest teams in the, or if not the largest team in League One, the amount of money that they turn over at their turnstiles is it, it, massively affecting their situation in terms of their, mm. their profit margins. Mm. But there was there was someone that, that came out a little while ago on a TV interview, and I, I, I forget who it was but suggested that they have um two teams go up from the EFL so you know potentially 
whoever's first and second now, so let's say Leeds, I don't know, West Brom, whoever it is that's first and second, they then go up into the Premier League. No one in the Premier League goes down. So you start next season with 22 teams instead of 20, but then at the end of next season, five clubs go down rather than three. So you correct it after a season. So what you're doing is you're saying, right, okay, you know, Leeds, in my opinion, deserve to go up into the Premier League. So they give them that opportunity, but then say, right, five clubs go down next season. I don't know what you guys think of that. That's a very interesting take on it. I mean, my, my issue there is that if you start doing that, and you say we're only going to take the top two from the from the EFL Championship, then you're like, well, they'll. I don't think it will sit well with the person who's in third necessarily. No, but the, the the person who's in third place would then have to go through playoffs anyway. So they're saying the top two are the ones that would automatic qualify. Yeah, so then they would then they'd have automatic yeah. qualification. So if the season stopped now, as it is, Liverpool would be crowned champions, which quite rightly they deserve. I mean, yep. going mm. to happen anyway. But what they're saying then is that also no no clubs go down from the Premier League because you know if if clubs do go down from the Premier League at this stage, the clubs will then be open to be able to sue the Premier League for then dropping them down. So I don't yeah. think dropping teams down is then going to be um, you know a, a, a positive move. It, it's only going to be negative because they're going to get sued and say, well, hold on a minute, if we continue the league. We then, you know, we then have the opportunity to save ourselves. You know, there's God knows how many games left. We we can actually save ourselves. So then you you can sue them for a large amount of money. So let's not have any teams go down. Just have the the automatic qualification uh, qualification places go up in every league, and have them all go up. And then next year, just have you know the amount of teams go down. So within a season, you correct yourself. And it yeah, seems okay. like it's a positive way of moving forward. I mean. It- it sounds it sounds like the most logical idea at the moment. Yeah. And actually, no, I think as a football fan, I mean, what an amazing anomaly to have to say that you know you've experienced a, a twenty-two league Premier League, twenty-two team Premier League would be absolutely brilliant. We've already yeah. experienced a twenty-two. It started off with twenty-two teams. Huh? When many many, but right at the beginning though. Yeah, yeah, years and years ago. Yeah, come on, so, <laughs> so one point is, is it's not something we haven't already done. It's yeah. not. Something hasn't already been there it's already been in place that there was 22 teams at one point so it's not going to really sort of damage anyone or whatever it has happened before so there's no reason as to why for one season it can't happen again fair point fair point indeed so uh kev you've got an article in the the times is that right yeah i've got an article in the times written by a guy called jonathan uh northcroft and it was it was quite interesting something a little bit completely different um and he he's having the a, coronavirus chat yeah well i mean it is still to do with uh corona but what he's saying is with no matches uh for uh clubs to actually go out and scout players a lot of clubs are turning to um data analytics companies um to get their information uh, you know of players etc and so he contacted a guy called salvador carmona who has just started out a company called drib lab and um, they're a data analy- uh, analytics company um, that uh, gives you information on you know, the goals, the stats, the runs, the dribble, all that sort of basic information that you think that someone might need. Um, but he gave him a scenario and gave him a little bit of a test, which I thought was quite interesting. He, he said to him, I imagine I'm the new sporting director at Newcastle United and I've got 50 million to spend and I want you to find me someone like Harry Kane obviously not as expensive 
And it took him three minutes of him telling him that one thing to then coming back with so much detailed information and picking a player. Wow. So it, 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 you know, kind of gone through loads of, loads of different players like Tammy Abraham's information like that, but then picked out a guy called Victor Ozimen, who um, was an 89.2% match for exactly what he was looking for under 50 million and has figures that are very, very similar at the age of 21 to what Harry Kane is. And it was just quite uh, fascinating, the fact that it took, it took the guy three minutes. But what was more interesting is that I didn't, and I didn't realize this personally, but a lot of clubs are now using these um, and have been using them previously. So, you know, he, he goes on to say, look, it's not a magic bullet, but it is another tool in the box, which clubs are using. And now even more so with COVID-19. Uh, before the, the pandemic, he was actually dealing with 25 clubs in Celta Vigo, Olympiacos, Internacional in Brazil, Nottingham Forest, a Premier League club that he couldn't name, and some Bundesliga clubs in our, and uh, some Argentinian clubs in Mexico and in the MLS, which he, he couldn't name who they were. But he's also been linked with Man United, and he actually gave all the details for Real Betis signing Giovanni Lo Celso, in which they mm. sold to Spurs for a £35 million profit. Yeah. So the fact is that this information helps. He's saying, look, it's not the be-all and end-all. I'm not the one out there scoring the goals, but the information that I give is, you know, is, is real, it's up-to-date. And you know, he's been inundated with information and requests from all Premier League clubs. It, does, it, doesn't, it doesn't surprise me, really, because when you think about the direction that football's going now, I mean... I think if anything, we take Arsene Wenger as an example. Many, many years ago, obviously, when he signed Nicholas and Nelka for next to nothing and the profit that he sold them for. And that was probably a time when it was obviously a scouting network there. You've got, you know, your scouts going out and coming back with, with views and opinions on certain players. And now with the, with the technology at our disposal, it, it's, it's, it's almost a no-brainer to be doing that. And, mm. and even if you look at the likes of, I mean, it's not quite the same, but um, Moneyball obviously is a good example of this where you've got obviously a lot of data being looked at in terms of players that fit within a structure of a team, whether they'll be successful for that. When I worked on a Sunderland Till I Die, um, Sunderland were using a platform called Scout, um, which is an okay. Italian platform. And that's who they go to to find players that you know possibly suit their dynamic. Now, I don't know how much they were sort of relying on it, but it was quite fascinating. It's a shame we didn't explore it more, but it really sort of opened my eyes as to what's going on behind the scenes in terms of finding players and scouting the players that are going to get them to hopefully where they want to be. Yeah. I mean, you know, it seemed that the, the process of finding a player was, is, is quite simple and it reminded me of playing championship manager. You know, you'd go onto the scouting network in championship manager and you would put in how much you want to spend, what stats you'd like a player to have, what position you'd like them to be able to play. And you could pick certain stats and certain information that you would like that player to have as a benefit to you and to the club. And then it would, it would draw a massive list of, of players and then you can go on and have a look at what their current form is and everything else. And it, it just, you know, they're doing that in, in real life. I mean, I, I do it on championship manager and, you know, but they're, they're doing I'm this. Interested. How, how are you doing on championship manager? Um, I'm actually, I'm actually not doing too bad. I haven't played it for, for a, a couple of weeks, but I'm actually not doing, not doing too you bad. You've been sacked yet, no? I haven't been sacked yet. No, I'm actually the manager of Sunderland at the moment. So <laughs> Love it. I haven't been, haven't been sacked just yet. Um, but no, I'm, 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 I'm doing okay. 
you know, funny that you should touch on um, obviously data and uh, like the analytics side of things and, and the crossover between almost like sort of like championship manager thing. I picked out a really nice story in the Observer, uh, which I found brilliant because I actually watched this yesterday, and that was uh, Diego Jota uh, beating uh, Trent Alexander uh, to the to the title of the uh, E Premier League Invitation. Uh, invitational, sorry. Um, I thought it was interesting that they did that. You know, they're looking at other sort of avenues to get people interested in what's going on right now. You know, obviously there's not much going on in the football no. world, but you know, it's giving people content at the end of the day. And you know what? Yeah. The thing, the thing I loved about it was, and and I took from this article is it was really true. The fact that I was watching something Sky Sports related, and the fact that it was a little bit of the word live in the corner of the screen, it gave me <laughs> such a buzz. And look, I know that Kevin, Kevin, I've spoken about this again before. Like, I love, I love computer games. I've grown up playing computer games, and this idea of just watching, you know, a game being played out, even if it was on a virtual level, it was absolutely brilliant. I know, Kev, you didn't, you didn't necessarily tune into it, but it was so, so entertaining. I mean, just to give you an idea of of, of how it played out. Um, it started with 18 players and two celebrities that were taking part in the competition. Uh, and it went, it went over uh, four days. It was a four-day competition. During that time, there was 106 goals in 18 matches. And the last game between uh, Jota and um, Alexander-Arnold was absolutely brilliant. I mean, it, went, it was 1-0 to, to Trent, and then it was 1-1, and then it went into extra time, and then... In the in like the, the latter stages of the extra time, Jota hit the bar. It was absolutely cracking, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I really, really did. It was really nice hearing the crowd on the game as well. <laughs> Nostalgic in a way because we haven't none of us watched a football match in so what, long. <laughs> what teams did they choose? They, they chose their own teams. So okay. Wolves, Wolves beat Liverpool, which I thought was absolutely brilliant because it was in some respects. I was explaining to Caroline at the time that even on like FIFA. The, the Wolves team, player for player, won't be as good as, as the Liverpool squad because statistically those players will be better. But it comes down to the way that they, the way that they perform. So going into the, t- the competition, um, Todd, Cant- Todd Cantwell from Norwich was actually tipped to be... He was the favourite for the competition. Uh, but then he crashed out. Um, and it just, it just goes to show that it, it comes down to the playing style and the quality of the, the broadcast, actually, speaking on a, mm. on a television level. It was really, really good. So you had the, the main screen of the team going on. And then at halftime, you had two presenters talking over the, the game, cutting to, to the reaction from the players at halftime that were actually taking part on it. You, know, you had Raheem Sterling involved in it, Andre Gomez, Reese James from Chelsea. You know, it's really, really entertaining. And I, and I, for one, it's my first foray into watching it. I, I probably would tune in again to it. Okay. <laughs> Kev's not convinced. <laughs> I still, I, 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 I still wouldn't, I still wouldn't watch it just purely because of the fact that, it, like I said, it would, it would make me want to play it. Um, and I'd spend hours and hours sitting there playing it and then getting really frustrated and maybe stamp on my, my control or, or whatever it is, um, <laughs> you know? So, uh, so yeah, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't, I don't play FIFA anymore, but no, FIFA is, is quite good in the way that um, everything, all the facts and everything else and all the figures and the stats are all up to date. So, you know, if, if someone has, has played really, really well, um, and their stats go up slightly, their form goes up slightly. If they're not playing so well, their form goes down, everything else. So it's quite, because it's connected to the internet, everything is quite... Well, 
Actually, but, interestingly, you mentioned that is Sky Sports have actually got involved with EA Sports, and now all of the statistics that they use on their on on the on the shows and the way in which they they run things, it all goes through um, the EA Sports. Wow. And that's been going on. Not, that's not a recent thing. That's been gone for going on for a few years now. But it just goes to show that sort of like crossover between mm-hmm. um, between platforms. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah. If, you, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, you know, as a as a as a football fan, if you're going to play something, you want it to be realistic. You want the players' names. You want the up to date stats. If if someone's playing really really well, you want that to be shown. You know, in in the game that you're playing. So it makes it more more realistic and and more you know like the real thing. So I can see why, you know, you you enjoyed it so much. It just watching two people play a computer. My son does it. He watches people play Fortnite on YouTube, and it drives me insane. I can't understand why you'd watch you someone else play a computer it. game rather than just playing it yourself. So because some not, of these people, not for me. They're not, they're not. The thing is, when you're watching them, it's not just sort of like you know any Joe blogs playing it. These, generally speaking, the people that you watch playing are probably some of the higher higher level gamers and actually one of the things i picked up on yesterday when i was watching it was actually uh jota actually represents portugal at uh, esports international level as well so it just goes to show that it's a I'm it's so really pleased for him. caroline's desperate to move on from this she hates, she <laughs> sorry guys i can only speak so much about games <laughs> this is not my expertise <laughs> <laughs> So, Kev, you've got something in uh, the, is it the mirror? Yes. I have a, a, a story here, uh, which is written by Tom Hopkinson in the mirror um, about Arsenal um, and about the Mesut Ozil situation, which is happening. His name, Kev? Mesut Ozil. I know you can't pronounce his name because you just go <laughs> Met, Met Ozil. Um <laughs> But uh, Emmanuel Petit has come out and said that he should stand um, shoulder to shoulder with his uh, clubmates. Um, what I find quite interesting about this is I know this has been covered all week by loads of different outlets. And um, three Arsenal players have not agreed to take a 12.5% cut in wages. Only one of those has been outed. Uh, and that's Mesut Ozil. So there's obviously some discord within that dressing room as to how someone and why someone has leaked that. Now, we don't know. There's obviously loads of other clubs up and down the country and no stories have come out about any other club, just about Arsenal and just about Mesut Ozil. So it kind of shows the um, there's someone in that club or some uh, even a number of people in that club that don't want Ozil at that club anymore. And that's why this story has been leaked. How do you feel about it as an Arsenal fan? Um, to be honest, I mean, like I, like I said before, I think I had a conversation with you about it during, uh, during the week, you know, he does a lot for charity. Um, you know, he, he gives thousands and thousands of pounds every single year to charities, helped, um, build a hospital. Um, you know, he's paid for life-saving operations for kids all around the world as part of his wife's wedding present. So, you know, he is the sort of person that, that gives his, and he's happy to give his money. What he's saying at the moment is I, I don't want to just give 12 and a half percent of my money away to the club. You know, let's just have a look and see whether or not the club is struggling first and then we'll have a look at it. And, you know, one of the things that he said, he, Ozil hasn't said that he won't take a pay cut. He's just said he wants to wait 
for some uh, wait for some time to see what's actually happening. And he's actually said that he would take a bigger than a 12.5% pay cut if needed um, by the club for the club to survive. He just doesn't feel that that's going to be the case. I mean, the thing is, this, this sort of this sort of story that it, it it works so well on the back pages of, of of papers. I mean, when you're looking at a player that's earning you know three hundred and fifty thousand pounds a week, it's very 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 a easy. Week? Yeah, three hundred and fifty. Wow, it's, it's so easy to slam someone for that. Of course it is. It's it, it's just pure and, and you know I, I I say this um, you know quite harshly. It's jealousy. The reason that, you know, we, we, we aspire to be these, you know, footballers and earn this huge amount of money that, we, that they earn. Um, but it makes them easy targets because they earn that money. And people go, oh, well, they should do this, they should do that, they should do this. But if someone came up to you and said, well, hold on a minute, take a 12.5% a pay cut to save the company you're working for, you go, well, why? You've got, mm, yeah. you know, the, the owner has got eight billion pounds. Why should I take a, why should I take a voluntary pay cut? He, he can fund whatever he needs to fund. Um, so it, you know, I sitting there, I'm going, well, I can see where he's coming from. He wants yeah. to, he's happy to help Arsenal, but he wants to see whether or not they're actually going to be financially hit massively by this first before he then commits to it because he's got commitments elsewhere, you know, what you've got to remember is yes, he earns three hundred and fifty thousand pounds a week, but half of that goes to the British government in taxes. Yeah. So he funds more for the NHS than I do in five, six years on on my wages that, that I earn. All three of us collectively together in one week, he gives more to the government than than what we do yeah. in in twelve months. You know, so it's just, I think people really have to understand that this isn't about him saying he's not going to give money to the NHS, he's not going to give money to charities, he's not going to do what he can. It's purely about a billion dollar club with a billion dollar owner saying, well, actually, I, I, I want you guys to cut your wages. Why? Yeah. Yeah, no, you very, very, very good point there. I mean, also it got picked up in the in the star as well, and uh, just a little bit from Petit saying that you know, he he agrees with, uh, as you said, he agrees with with Ozil, and he actually said that people don't know what the players and the clubs are doing, um, like like from the foundations and part of the community. So it is he he, although he was obviously saying to 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 Ozil that he should stand shoulder to shoulder, but he he, he sympathises with him as well, which is it's great to see as well. Yeah, one hundred percent. And you know, it's <clears throat> I sim I sympathise with him massively. I don't earn three hundred and fifty thousand pounds a week, but I can see exactly where he's coming from. Um, right. And the fact is, as I said, he's not he's not a greedy person. He does a heck of a lot for charity. He doesn't go shouting it, you know, down the, you know, the papers and whatever. Going well, you know, yes, I'm not giving twelve and a half percent to the club, but I do this, I do that. He just gets on with his life and he does his things for charity and and that. You know, that kind of is what it is. It's, you know, I, I, I stand with him. And, you know, I also think that one of the reasons is, is maybe he doesn't feel that he's going to be part of the club next season. Um, and that might be why. There, there's obviously something going on there yeah. in the Arsenal uh, backroom that we're not privy to. And that, that's how this story has got leaked. But it, as I said at the beginning um, of this part, you know, there's three players. We've got to remember three players from Arsenal, but only one of them has been highlighted, and there is a reason for that. Yeah. Um, See, so you've got a, an article yeah. that you found online on on Twitter. Yeah. So um, 
there's a team called Pescara uh, in the second division of uh, Italian football. And uh, they ran a competition uh, to design their next season's football kit for the players to wear, for them to sell online, all that jazz. Um, and a lovely little Italian lad called Lu Luigi. I just found it so cute. It's called Luigi. Um, <laughs> you guys are like, what? Um, designed a, um, the T-shirt and he, he won. And it's um, effectively some sort of rainbow stripes. And they're called the Dolphins. That's their nickname. So there's a big dolphin on there with a football and some sort of waves it's difficult to explain isn't it without seeing a picture I mean, Kev will pop but, it up on, on social media today yeah it's just a bit of a feel-good story I think you know it's lovely that they've put you know um a bit of, of time into doing mm. this competition for and, young kids and actually in fairness looking at the shirt it's actually a really nice looking it's shirt nice. I mean I was saying to Kevin earlier we went to the National Football Museum back in January yeah, didn't we, we? Did, and yeah. there was a whole floor dedicated to to kits throughout the years mm. and and some of them very iconic very sort of retro and this sort of looks retro to me it looks it does. Sort of 60s 70s yeah I mean I don't look at myself I mean I love I love this sort of like rainbow effect to it it's, it's absolutely cracking I mean, you, you've already probably seen it so. yeah I've, I think it's absolutely gorgeous I think it's a I think it's a lovely kit I, I may even be tempted to go out and buy it to be fair it's actually quite, yeah. a, quite a nice feel good uh, feel good football kit mm. I love it um, Kev have you picked up on the, um, the Kevin Keegan story yes yeah this is uh, this one made uh, back page news on the uh, on the mirror by uh, Neil Moxley and John Richardson um, saying that Kevin Keegan is being lined up for a sensational return to Newcastle, and I, I thought to myself, well, they're going to have him as a as a as a manager. That's a bit yeah, a bit it's harsh, very leading, nice leading story, isn't it? <laughs> it is, but uh, no, they they want him back in an uh, ambassadorial role, um, you know. And if there's one way to uh, for the new owners to get the um, uh, sort of the fans on side with their takeover, then that is that's one way to do it is bringing him back. Um, it's, it's, it's funny that they should they should do it because obviously uh, Kevin Keegan uh, described uh, Ashley's ownership as an empire of uh, of self harm. Never never step foot back in the place, um, and that was twelve years ago. Um, you know, and now that he could be, uh, well, he is uh, touch wood for Geordie fans on his way out. Um, you know, that, that would be the perfect way, as I said, to get, um, you know, the Toonami on side. Um, you know, th those fans are some of the most passionate fans, um, you know, in English football, um, not taking into account their bitter rival Sunderland. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I can see Caroline looking there. Um, <laughs> But the um, you know the the new owners uh, you know said they want to generate um, a good feel a feel good factor um, you know up in Newcastle and and that's one way to do it is bringing back uh, one of their heroes. Has the deal been done then? I'm not quite. It's pretty. It's pretty much been done. Everything's been signed, and I think they're just waiting for uh, for it to go through. But you know this this doesn't end, um, Mr. Mike Ashley and his reign in football. Um, no, I mean I, I picked up on one in the Daily Star, and it is basically saying that he, he's eyeing up EFL clubs now. Yeah, as long as he stays away from Sunderland, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. It's funny people should say that because he's actually come out and said, and uh, this is Mike Ashley, he wanted to point out that when he leaves Newcastle, he will be uh, he'll be leaving the club as one of the only debt-free clubs, which. 
it's actually a fairly good point. It's much love him or hate him, and I know he's been a leech on the club for so long. He hasn't just settled for a cheap option and get out. He's he's obviously he's benefiting massively from this as well. Mm. But it is, it, I mean, it's a bittersweet end. You know what I mean? Like obviously, it's great that they're leaving and he's leaving, and, and the club's going to be in a better position. But obviously, you know, it's just taken thirteen years for him to leave. Yeah, I mean, it's thirteen years too long. It, the, the guy has just been. You know, he has been a, a, a leech at that club and uh, he has done nothing positive. Um, I mean, it absolutely killed me when he renamed the club, the, the stadium from St. James's Park to the Sports Direct Stadium. I mean, that yeah. was absolutely, it, 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 it's a travesty for football. It is. It is. Um, <clears throat> you know, that's, that's, that's their identity right there. Do you know what I mean? That that it's it's just it's unbelievable. Um, but you know, it's just it's one of those things. Hopefully now his uh, his his reign is over. I I remember the good days of uh, of Newcastle when they were a force to be reckoned with. Um, yeah. You know, and and they have the, the you know the big derbies with Liverpool and you know some of the some of the greatest Premier League games were you know were involving Newcastle. Um, you know, they got through to a number of finals. Arsenal beat them in 1998 in the FA Cup final. Um, you know, and, beat them as well on the way to the treble. Yeah. So you know, it's it's um, you know, it's it's one of those sort of uh, you know football love stories. You know, as I said, the the fans up in Newcastle. It's uh, you know, both sides of it are uh, you know are, are really really passionate, um, and they deserve. Um, someone that's actually going to come in and, and look after their club. And I don't feel that he, he's never connected with the fans. He's never really been someone that no. the Newcastle fans have taken to. Um, you know, they need someone to come in now and just, look, you know, take the club and just go, right, you know, we, we, we love the club. We love the area. We're going to do what we can. We're going to, you know, we're going to some money into it, it with yeah. some money and actually let them spend some money. And, you know, you, you never know in, in five years time, they could be a Man City. Yeah, I agree with you. I definitely think it's going to be a case of watch this space with uh, mm. Newcastle. Um, mm. Kev, just to round up, I think you found a nice article. I know this is not a football-related one, but there was quite a nice article you found about the, the London Marathon. Yeah, it was just something that I uh, something that I saw. It's not made it into any papers, which I, I which I found quite um, sort of uh, sort of disheartening and was quite disappointed about. Today should have been the um, the London Marathon, and there's a lot of people that are raising money for charities out there, like the NHS based charities and whatever, and they're raising millions and millions and millions. Um, <clears throat> but what the London marathon does is it raises money for um, the charities that aren't so well funded. And there's about a billion pounds worth of um, revenue that comes off of the back of the London marathon for charities all over the UK. So, you know, you've got some, which my local one, which is action for kids uh, where I live, and you've got one where your local one, which I think is Noah's Ark, um, which is up in, in Barnet. And, you know, they, they have a lot of fundraising that happens from the back of uh, the London marathon and that's all gone. You know, it's, it's not going to happen now. So what the CEO of the London marathon has come out and said, and said, look guys, if you guys can go out and walk, it's 26.2, uh, miles for uh, the marathon but if you go out and you can do 26.2 of something and try and raise a little bit of money for your local your local charity because they are you know they are at the risk of 
of going under. We talk about the Premier League clubs, billion pound organisations, which we, you know, we we just watch and have joy from. But these are actual organisations that are going to be hard hit and potentially close that actually make a difference yeah. and actually make a difference in the community for loads of different things. Could be for cancer, could be for uh, disabled kids. I know that Action for Kids and Noah's Ark both deal with, um, you know, kids that are can't go out and survive by themselves they need a lot of care a lot of love and a lot of attention and that's what they deliver and if something like that is hard hit taken out of the community that's that's going to be felt far and wide so you know what he's saying is look just go out try and do something try and raise a little bit of money for your local charity yes it's great that everyone's pumping money into the nhs at the moment but don't forget the the little ones that are left behind that actually do work in your local community I think that's a really, really fair mm. point there. So, no, guys, I think we should round it up there. I think we've had a nice spread of newspaper articles there. And uh, yep. I don't know if uh, we should probably do this again sometime, Kev. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Okay, guys, well, um, hope you enjoyed the show and uh, catch you guys in a bit then. Bye. Bye bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.